Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Caleb Gardner about the importance of strong internal communications to drive sustainable, meaningful change. Caleb Gardner, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the Chicago area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about something I know you have a big passion for. That is the importance of strong internal communications to drive sustainable, meaningful organizational change. That is not easy to do. And in fact, there are many studies out there and the number that gets thrown around often is that 80 plus percent of all change initiatives and organizations fail. There's a variety of reasons for that. Um, But I would argue, and, and I think it's consistent with the literature and the research that's out there, that the vast majority of that problem comes from the communications piece and or the lack thereof. And so if we want organizational change initiatives to be successful and sustainable and actually have the impact Uh, that we intend from the beginning, from the outset, then we have to have a better uh, strategic communications plan that we're committed to, that we're going to see through over over the duration of the change process, which usually takes quite a while. It's not something that you can just Mm -hmm. flip the switch and all of a sudden magically have culture change or digital transformation or whatever the the type of changes that you're trying to drive. So that's what we're going to be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Caleb's bio with everybody. Caleb Gardner is an insatiable, curious, ethical, innovative strategist and change management expert with unique experience that includes startups, global nonprofits, and Fortune 100 clients and presidents of the United States. For more than three years, he was the lead digital strategist for OFA, Barack Obama's political advocacy group. Caleb led one of the largest digital programs in existence with a million strong emails list and massive social media following, including the most followed Twitter account in the world at Barack Obama. Now, as the co-founder and managing partner of 18 Coffees, an innovation consulting firm, Caleb helps businesses with mission to change the world, get a foothold in the future using professional experience to solve impossible problems and bring new ideas to life for global clients such as United Way Worldwide, Bose Corporation, Pandora, Fordham Law School, and many others. And I could go on and on, but I'm going to pause there and give you a chance now to share anything else about your background, your personal context. Uh, that shapes the conversation that we're going to be having today. 
Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. It's always a weird experience having someone read their bio back to you. But <laughs> I mean, I think it's important in the context of this conversation, because a lot of the work that I've done informs my point of view about innovation, internal communications, and the ability to make change within a, within large organizations. So the only other thing I would add is that, um, you know, as we've been doing a lot of this work, I've, I've codified it into a book that's coming out this year. So a lot of um, the, the work that we've done, I've tried to just, you know, do the intellectually taxing work of sitting down and saying, what have we learned over the past five years as we've been doing this work? And and it was, it was a long slog and a labor of love, but um, it's uh, coming out in August, so I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, that is awesome. Congratulations. And as an author myself, I know how much energy goes into the writing of a book and how much you wrestle with it. And just you want everything to be right at your baby, um, especially when it's built upon things that you've been working on for years, if not decades uh, and you're just trying to get it down on paper. Uh, so that's that's awesome. And, and that'll be something to definitely look for. And I encourage listeners to look out for that. Uh, I also just have to ask, I know there's a lot in your bio. There's a lot we could dive into in, ter- in terms of your past. But I just have to ask what it's like, uh, what it was like to work uh, with Barack Obama's team um, and and lead out on some of those types of initiatives. That's That's a pretty cool and unique opportunity. Yeah, it was definitely kind of a once in a lifetime experience. I mean, I would say that beyond getting to meet the president himself and, you know, you know obviously a very um, charming guy and, you know, influential for all the right reasons and, and used, you know, his charisma and his, his leadership abilities to, to make a lot of change in our country, I, I, you know, obviously from my point of view in a, in a positive way, um, I would say that working with his team and working, getting to work in um, in government in general, but also just with his team in particular, who is just filled with so many smart people and people doing um, just incredible um, work at the forefront of digital innovation and political advocacy, was just so inspiring for the fact that when people are are driven to do, you know, to make change, to do mission driven work, they will put up with all kinds of. <laughs> bad news cycles and terrible work environments and all kinds of um, things that would would drive the most of us out of it you know like you you get to work with the people who are day by day sound really cynical but are actually very inspiring and really dedicated to their work like you said a once in a lifetime kind of a, an opportunity and regardless of anyone's politics I, I'm sure I have a range of listeners who come from all different kind of ideological backgrounds uh, regardless of your politics, I mean, this that kind of an opportunity it is really unique, right? Yeah. Um, not only a government uh, opportunity, which is very different than what so many people have experience with in the corporate world, um, but yeah, working with people, it's a very purpose-driven, mission-driven kind of an environment, working with other very passionate people, uh, often the best of the best, right? Who are, mm-hmm. who gravitate towards that kind of an opportunity, uh, even though maybe the pay isn't great or, or whatever, cause you don't do it for that reason. Right. And, 
so that's that's super cool. Anyways, I just wanted to take a minute to highlight that because that's something you know that I back in the day, back in the day, I you know when I was watching The West Wing and getting all excited about <laughs> government, and I'm like, oh man, they have this program called something like the White House Fellows or something. I remember even looking into it and thinking that would be so cool to go do something like that for a year. Um, and that's about the extent of my exploration. <laughs> uh, but but you know the, the things like that get you. Get get you excited and and uh it, it actually is indicative of of a of a much broader kind of message in the workplace and that is people want to do stuff that matters people want to have meaningful work they want to have purpose driven work they want to see that what they're doing makes a difference in some meaningful way uh and that's a lesson we can't afford to forget uh because right. whatever we do in our organization whatever our product or service is that we provide to the market if we can't design work that is meaningful and engaging and purpose-driven, especially in this kind of a tight labor market in this economy, like people aren't going to stick around. Like they, they have so many options. And so I know that's not the main topic of today, but it, it's worth highlighting over and over and over again, because so many organizations, while they might give lip, lip service to it, so many organizations still just don't seem to get it. And they're not committed to work design in such a way that we can make that happen. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. I mean, study after study when looking at the quote unquote great resignation and what's driving, you know, the tight labor market and what do people want and meaning in their work is always consistently at the top. I think that there's a lot we can learn from, you know, the political world and and apply to the private sector. I, I've always thought so and I've and vice versa, like there's things that the private sector learns that the political world doesn't doesn't get a lot of exposure to. Um, one of the ways that we have thought about making change in large organizations and internal communication is taking some of that, um, you know, digital organizing approach that we used in the Obama administration to apply that to changing uh, large enterprise organizations where you have some of the same types of things happening. You've got power centers and people dedicated to, you know, their point of view. You've got people organized in different kind of groups and different constituencies and, and the need for constant communication and persuasion inside a large organization like that is an under, underutilized and underappreciated tool. And so this is just one tool of many as we're trying to drive meaningful, sustainable change within organizations, definitely one worth highlighting. And you've already mentioned um, the internal communication component and how vital that is going to be for any successful change initiative. So let's drill down there and get into more details about what we can do to make sure that we're being effective in our, in our change strategy within the organization. Because as I said in the introduction, uh, the vast majority of change initiatives fail and uh, we need to get the communications piece right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So what do you think we can start to do in terms of strategy to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, communications is one of the biggest tools in our toolbox that we should prioritize up front when thinking about doing a change initiative. I mean, we push our clients to not only think about what is the change they want to make? What is their change strategy? Where do they need to go? How do they want to innovate? But to actually think about 
mapping out the communications infrastructure as part of that work instead of it being an afterthought, which is how a lot of companies approach it. It's here's the change, here's what we need to do. And oh, by the way, we might release a memo or you know do some kind of internal town hall after we've already decided all of these you know things and they're already being implemented and it's already, and then that, it's a recipe for confusion. You've got people at the front lines who don't really understand what's happening. Um, oftentimes haven't even been brought in at the beginning. I mean, a best practice would be to bring in people from all over the organization to even design the change strategy, right? So you've got the people who are going to be the most affected by it and who often see the need the most because they're closest to the customer um, aren't actually involved in designing what change needs to happen. So best practices, there's been representatives from all over the org that have been there from the beginning. But if that hasn't happened, then the need for clear and consistent and repetitive communication becomes even more clear. I think we underestimate um, how often we have to say things and repeat things for clarity to really take hold. And when we talk about marketing externally, we, we talk about that, right? We say how many times a, a potential customer has to see a message for really start to take hold. It's a, an old adage, you know, it's like seven, eight, nine times, depending on who you talk to. Internally, we release one memo and we say, oh, that's it right like we don't really we don't really take into consideration yeah one, one ridiculously long email is sent out to that's everyone right. in an email blast and you're like we're covered we're good <laughs> right or like a you know a one slack note hey heads up this is coming you know like we need to we need to be a lot more intentional about how we design communication for our own people especially the larger and more complex the organization is and so we will actually sit down with our clients and do some an exercise we call a communication canvas and actually map out here's the vision for the change here's the value prop for different constituencies you know the board the frontline staff, the middle managers, the, the senior execs, here's the value prop for them in this change, something that really matters for them based on what they're seeing and hearing and experiencing every day. And then here's how we have to get across that value prop in different mediums, in different you know meetings, in different Slack or Teams groups, whatever those mediums might be. Here are the key messages from that value prop that actually have to be communicated. And they're a little bit different depending on who you're talking to, right? Like the motivations of a middle manager is going to be very different than the motivation of a board member. So we have to be able to interpret that value prop for those different constituencies. Again, the re repetition, targeting the message towards um, the audience, whoever the constituency is, those are super important. Uh, ultimately, uh, being proactive in advance, right? So this needs to be at the forefront of the overall change initiative, the change strategy, um, collectively, you need to have that communication piece understood and outlined. And again, this isn't even pointing out, like trying to point the finger of blame at people and saying they're bad leaders, they're bad managers, um, they don't care about their people. We're not saying that. I think people have good intentions and they just don't think about it. They don't think about what it's going to actually take to help bring people on board and help them understand what's happening, the why behind the change that's occurring, how it's going to actually make their lives better, make their work better, help the organization be more successful. Like we just, we take all that for granted oftentimes because if I'm the executive uh, who's trying to communicate this, I've been sitting in meeting after meeting after meeting, talking about these things, sometimes for months or years even. And so for me, it's like completely clear and obvious. And, and it, it's, it's hard for me to even remember what it's like to not just innately understand what 
all the reasoning is behind all of this. But these other people who've never been part of any of these conversations, they have no idea and they just get blindsided by this change. And, and, and from their standpoint, they're thinking, well, what I was doing before worked, it made sense. And now you're telling me I have to change everything. And, and uh, there's, you know, change fatigue. And maybe you had a previous executive who just switched everything up. And now we have a new person, they're switching everything up. You get pretty cynical about it. Uh, and so for all those reasons, we just need to remind ourselves over and over and over again. And if you're in a position of influence, if you're not in an executive role, but you're in a position of influence to help an executive remember this, make sure that you're pushing on that point over and over again. Um, that will increase that alone, that the communication strategy piece alone will increase the chances of a successful change initiative dramatically. That's right. I mean, I love that you brought up how often leaders will hear why we're doing it, what are the components, what's going to happen, all the visibility and all the change elements before it gets communicated to the rest of the organization and underestimate how many times they actually heard it and how much it's penetrated in terms of how they communicate to their people and who don't get the same level of repetition or context. Um, I've I've been guilty of that as a manager of people. Like I, I will go to my team and be like, so one, two, three, therefore seven, eight, nine. Like I'll just, I'll skip all of that context that I just naturally have in my head and will just make assumptions. And, and like you said, it's not malicious. It's out of either, you know, time constraints or it's out of, uh, you know, it just biases that we have where we assume people, you know, have the same point of view as we do and assume that they will catch on as quickly as we do. Um, so uh, we have to, we have to be able to step back and do it with a little bit more intentionality, a little bit more repetition. Like you said, it will make, the chances of success so so much higher, dramatically, dramatically higher. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think.
and we've already alluded to some of the pitfalls, um, but let's be explicit about some of the things that you see happening where the communication strategy is falling short. Uh, I mean, that's even assuming there's a strategy in the first place, because uh, let's be <laughs> honest, in most organizations, there's not even that, right? But but where do you right. see the communication breaking down the most often? What are the common pitfalls that you see over and over and over again? Then we can talk about you know any other ideas that you have to on how to counteract that. Common pitfalls. I mean, we already talked about underestimating how often you have to communicate it. So like not, not having a level of repetition that actually helps it penetrate. That's a huge one. Um, not communicating in mediums that employees actually pay attention to, you know, like we sometimes overestimate depending again on the complexity of the organization, how much people are paying attention to one email or, you know, a certain group chat messages, um, which is why we will talk about where, how often you need to do it via email versus group chat versus one-on-one managers. Like sometimes we need to tell you know, one-on-one managers that these particular points need to be communicated to people in one-on-one environments to make sure they penetrate. Um, other things is that uh, oftentimes we are on our own change timetable. You know, it's part of the bigger change strategy and we will communicate different pieces without understanding the context for what's actually happening in the organization. Like you said, like turnover or other kinds of disruptions happening in specific teams. And so either they won't be paying as much attention to what you're saying, or it will come off and completely tone deaf and people, you know, will rebel against what you're saying. Um, that's true. Or, or well, I, I should add, the other thing you see, especially in high turnover organizations, is just the fact that you have a new set of people that have to understand and buy into what the change is. And so, you know, you may have had a really uh, good push and initiative, really good communication strategy. Everything could have been done perfectly right um, a year ago. But guess what? A year later, you're going to have to continue because it, you may have a whole bunch of new people in key positions or just, it, you know, even line workers that aren't even going to have any understanding or recollection or any in institutional memory about what happened a year or two years ago. And I see that all the time where a, someone will bring up a really important point. In, in this case, I'm thinking about a concern, an organizational concern, and they bring it up in a leadership meeting and, and it just gets dismissed. And they're like, oh yeah, well, we looked into that five years ago. We decided that's not something worth paying attention to. I'm like, really? You're you're just going to completely dismiss something that's obviously a pain point for someone. They're willing to bring it up in a meeting and you're just going to say, oh, that's something we talked about many years ago. That means nothing to the people sitting in the room, you know, who are actually raising that concern. Which also brings us back to repetition again, right? Like the turnover is another good reason to to continue to repeat what we're saying and where we're going and why we're doing it often. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's a really great point. And and it, it like speaks to ongoing need for training around new change initiatives, like not just not just communication, but like actually different ways for people to engage with material and learn and understand how they're supposed to be working differently, right? And I like that you mentioned the the ongoing conversations that managers have with their people. Uh, the the real linchpin to any successful change initiative is going to be middle management. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, assuming we have, you know, executive level commitment to the change or the culture shift or whatever, and that's being communicated down the line. Well, guess what? They're not on the front lines talking to all the other employees. So it's all the, the various levels of middle management that are going to either be successful or 
fall on their face in terms of communicating down the line and having those conversations. So it's not enough to have a, a, a systems-wide email go out or on the Slack channel or whatever, even if it's repetition, even if I send out 10 emails, that's not going to do it. We, we need to actually have managers who in those both formal and informal organic and casual moments, you know, when they're coaching or mentoring or even a performance conversation uh, or, or, or weekly or monthly one-on-ones or whatever, whatever the context that they're getting brought up and reiterated over and over again. And even more than just the reiteration of talking points is that the people that report to that middle manager actually see it in action, that they actually see the shift happening. They actually see the value of the shift and that they see that the words and actions are in alignment. When that occurs, uh, you know, at all levels in the organization, that's when you really start to have integrated systems level um, sustainable change. And one of the biggest reasons why we see change initiatives fail is because we never get to that point. Uh, You know, you can communicate by email or memo all day long uh, and do it consistently and even have pretty effective emails, well-worded and crafted and all of that. It's not going to mean much of anything if people don't see it in action and they don't have the opportunity to ask clarifying questions in a more intimate setting, one-on-one or small team environment or whatever the case may be. That's right. You know, what's, what's interesting about that middle management point, which I totally agree with, is that middle management oftentimes has a lot of influence in the organization. So we, we talk about influence a lot um, when we're doing change, which is not just what does your title say, but who's actually listening to you? Because oftentimes those don't actually match, you know, like some of the people who are in the most senior leader, leadership positions might say one thing, but it's really this tenured person who has been there for a while, who's seen everything, that if they say go, or if they say, no, this is never going to work, that's the person that everyone listens to because they assume they know what they're talking about. And that that is title agnostic. That can be people at all kinds of different levels. In fact, some of the, the biggest uh, case studies around change that I write about in the book um, come from people with influence in the organization that uh, again, have that tenure, don't necessarily have any kind of particular influential title. It's very fascinating. Um, so when I was talking about power mapping and constituencies and all of that kind of political dynamic stuff that we bring into change initiatives, we look at stuff like that. You know, like, again, in, in the outside world and marketing, we talk about influencer strategy all the time, but we never talk about influencer strategy internally when we're trying to make a change initiative. But we should be talking about where are the power centers? Who listens to who? And how do we get those people involved and bought in and helping us see around corners because they know where in the organization we're going to run into problems when we're trying to implement the change because they're the ones that people listen to. Caleb, this has just been so much fun, very fascinating. And we could go on and on and on. Uh, Unfortunately, I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. So before we wrap things up for today, and I would love to have you back anytime, uh, Please uh, let us know how we can get connected with you. Uh, How can listeners uh, find out more about your work, uh, connect with your team? Where can they find your book when it comes out? Uh, Anything like that. And then give us a final word on the topic for today. Thank you. Yeah, you can find me at Caleb Gardner just about anywhere around the web. CalebGardner.com slash pre-order. You can find my book, No Point B, and and pre-order it before it comes out in August. Um, and my team is 18 coffees at 18 coffees.com and, and around the web we're, we we're doing some really great work at the intersection of social uh, social impact and business and 
Um, would love to hear from all of you. I mean, this has been a really, really great conversation. Hope to, hope to do it again soon. Uh, the one thing I will say as kind of last on this topic is change doesn't have to be scary. And if we can help people um, kind of reset their mindset around uh, their fear around change, we can do a lot more with our organizations and, and be a lot more innovative. Amen. Well said, Caleb. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Caleb and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Check out my new book, The Future Leader, Creating and Transforming Next-Gen organizations. Stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives, thought leaders, and scholars from across the globe, the future leader will help you explore the ordinary, everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work, to respond to an uncertain future, and to produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.